Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, welcome this morning uh, to to church and to the chance to be together. It's good to see your faces and good to be with you uh, this morning. Um, As we journey through the rest of this church calendar year, there's only two Sundays left, including today. So today and and next week, but we are turning to the Old Testament text in the in the lectionary. So, if you have your Bible or have a device this morning, to that you can turn to First Samuel chapter one. I invite you to do that this morning. First Samuel chapter one. So, I often talk about uh, the lectionary. Um, lectionary is just a, a series of of scripture passages that kind of follow through the church calendar. Uh, year. And so if that term is unfamiliar to you, uh, don't be scared or threatened by it. It's just a way that we kind of journey through the church calendar year um, and helps me to not just always go to the same texts or the same books that I'm comfortable with and sometimes takes me to 1 Samuel. So um, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be here this morning um, and I trust that God will speak to us as we read. Um, be reading today from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 through 20. Um, for those who are willing and able, out of respect for the reading of God's word, I invite you to stand. Kind of a, a, a more extended passage today, verses 4 through 20 from 1 Samuel 1. Whenever he sacrificed, Elkanah would give parts of the sacrifice to his wife, Paniah, and to all her sons, Uh, and daughters. But he would give only one part to Hannah, though he loved her because the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Verse 6, and because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving, her rival would make fun of her mercilessly just to bother her. So that is what took place year after year. Whenever Hannah went to the Lord's house, Peniah would make fun of her. Then she would cry and wouldn't eat anything. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah would say to her, why won't you eat? Why are you so sad? Aren't I worth more to you than ten sons? One time after eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah got up and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Hannah was very upset and couldn't stop crying as she prayed to the Lord. Then she made this promise, Lord of heavenly forces, just look at your servant's pain and remember me. Don't forget your servant. Give her a boy, then I'll give him to the Lord for his entire life. No razor will ever touch his head. As she kept praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, watched her mouth. Now Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was silent. So Eli thought she was drunk. How long will you act like a drunk? Sober up, Eli told her. No, sir, Hannah replied. I am 
I'm just a very sad woman. I haven't had any wine or beer, but have been pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think your servant is some good-for-nothing woman. This whole time I've been praying out of my great worry and trouble. Eli responded, then go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you've asked from him. Please think well of me, your servant, Hannah said. Then the woman went on her way, ate some food, and wasn't sad any longer. They got up early the next morning and worshiped the Lord. Then they went back home to Ramah. Elkanah had sex with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, which means I asked the Lord for him. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So what's the biggest rivalry that you know of? I, 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 try not, I try not to go the sports direction every week, um, but sometimes it, it heads back there. And for those who aren't sports fans, I, I apologize. Uh, uh, NFL, maybe the Packers and the Bears are a big, uh, big rivalry. I don't know, the Lakers and the Celtics of the 80s. Um, if you're into soccer, the Sounders-Timbers thing is a pretty big rivalry. USA-Mexico just happened this week, and USA won two to nothing, dos a zero. Um, but maybe there's no bigger rivalry in sports than in baseball and the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, they, they have two ballparks that are way too close to each other. They've got fans that are, can be rowdy. Leave it there. It can be rowdy. Um, baseball fans will remember the year 2004, right? Right, Tom? Yes, 2004. Um, and the run by those Boston Red Sox. Um, they continue to be the only team that was down in a series of seven games. They were down 0-3. And they came back and beat the hated Yankees 4-3 um, to in game seven. Went on to win the World Series for the first time since 1918 and beat the curse of the Bambino in, when in 1920 the owner of the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees and thereby cursed the team until then, if you're into all of that. So <laughs> I didn't have too many notes when I went through that, so I, I apologize. But there's other rivalries out there, right? Other rivalries that, that are at play. Um, there's some rivalries with coworkers at times. Um, associates that are in the same industry or in the, in the same field can build rivalries. And there's one I'm particularly leaving out, saving the best for last, sibling rivalries. <laughs> I don't know why you're chuckling. I don't know why you're chuckling at all. Sibling rivalries, they're the plots of movies, they are the, the conflicts of stories, they're the basis of wars uh, at time. Now let's all share stories about sibling rivalries. No, we're not going <laughs> to do that. I get to share my story, actually. Um, was staying over at a person's house. I'm not sure why. I can't remember why, but we were staying at someone's house in the town that I lived up in. Some, for some reason, mom and dad were busy, and it was a Saturday night, and Sunday morning was coming, and we were getting ready to head to church with these folks. They were older. The woman's name was Charlotte. That's what I remember. Um, I got mad at my sister. Uh, and I was, I was ticked. She knew how to push my buttons. I'll, I'll give her that and, and defend myself a little bit that way. She knew just what to say. Well, 
I hadn't quite completely dressed for church, and there was a shoe on the ground, and the shoe became a convenient projectile to throw <laughs> at my sister. My sister was four years older than I, and apparently was decent at dodgeball, because she dodged the shoe, the window behind her did not. <laughs> and it was old school window, and just shattered the pane of glass and went right outside, um, and there was no hiding it after that. Uh, sibling rivalry is a real thing. We can laugh at sibling rivalry. Um, there's something in the text, though, that is probably wise not to laugh at, and it's Hannah's struggle with infertility. It says the Lord had not let her conceive a child. Um, for those couples who have tried and struggled to get pregnant, no, the roller coaster ride of disappointment and grief is heartbreaking um, and crushing uh, and difficult. Um, this was not, not a part of my wife and I's story. We have seven kids, and we have plenty of kids. Um, and conceiving a child wasn't, having trouble conceiving a child wasn't a, a part of our story. And yet, for many across this country, across this world, it is. And it's difficult and heart-rending. Um, and this becomes the source of this rivalry between this man's two wives. Um, back in biblical times, this was not an uncommon uh, thing for men to do um, in this patriarchal society. But one had borne children for Elkanah, and one had not. Families, family can be the worst sometimes, right? They can hurt you the most, for they know you best. They know what can drive you crazy. They know what hurts. But for Hannah, for, for this woman in this story, there's also this, this nature of, of legacy and sustenance for this patriarchal society. For Hannah had no heir. Hannah had no heir to offer to her husband. And it was hard. And it was difficult. And, and Paniah seems to have lots of kids. We're not, the text doesn't outline that for us. Uh, but it says all her sons and all her daughters. There's a sense that Paniah had been real fruitful in producing children for Elkanah. Um, and not only that, but she had gotten more provision because of it. There was a, there was a difference in how she was treated because of the kids that she had born. And, and, and so she kind of she ribs her sister wife a, a little bit, ribs Hannah, you know, just to bother her, just to get under her skin. Now, I know you never did that with any of your siblings. I know you never did that with any of your family members. Um, unfortunately, in my family, it's kind of like a, a family tradition. Like we get together and, and we're just going to kind of kind of give each other a hard time. And I can tell you that that's hard to deal with sometimes for some families and from some family members. Uh, and Hannah would cry. Hannah would be broken. Hannah would walk off and not take care of herself, choose not to eat in those moments. And even her husband, God bless him, right? Um, Elkanah, this classic line of from the garbage pile things of people try to say to help, but they just make things worse, right? <laughs> what does he say? 
Why are you crying? Why won't you eat? Why are you so sad? Aren't I worth more to you than ten sons? Just not really helpful, sir. Thank you. Keep that to yourself. But people do this all the time, right? Try to say things to help in that moment of discomfort, in that moment of not knowing what to say. Say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. Say things like, well, look at the bright side. At least fill in the blank. Someday it'll get easier. This too shall pass. Well, this is, must all be part of God's plan. I don't know where it comes from. I, I don't know why, why I do this sometimes and why people do this sometimes. Sometimes in that discomfort of not knowing what's going on and not knowing how to respond, sometimes we make it worse. And Okana falls into that category here. Aren't I enough? I mean, <laughs> he was self-confident at least, I guess. But also, he just doesn't see the plight that his wife is in and doesn't see her pain and doesn't see the reality of the situation that she's in. Men, spouses, take no tips from Elkanah, okay? Um, we live in a time where everything, or, or these people live in a time where everything is, is really attributed to God, right? And, and it says that, that the Lord had kept Hannah from, from conceiving children, I think that's in, in verse 5. It says, because the Lord had kept her com- from conceiving. And really, they lived in a time which, which God controlled a lot of things. That if something happened, it was, it was God's will. If something happened, then God had caused it. And I really struggle with that in this story. I really struggle with that in this story. We've, we've find out, found out now that there are many factors to conceiving children, right? Um, Diet and mental health and, and genetics all play a role in, in our ability to, to conceive, to have children. But the word says that God had kept her from that. As I read this text this week, I was, I was taken by the fact that we live in a time now where it's really easy to find your rival it's really easy to find your rival and to make jabs even too. Have you noticed this? If you don't believe me, you don't believe like me, I just get to write you off. I don't have to listen to you anymore. I can unfollow you. I can, I can find somebody else with another opinion. Uh, and we do this about a number of things today in 2021. It could be about vaccines and masks. It could be about race and discrimination. It could be about... Uh, an author or a blogger or a cable news channel. It could be about faith or scripture or how we understand God to be. There's all sorts of things that we can find disagreements with in people. And, and I was talking to somebody recently, and they, and they were saying, you know, I can find somebody, and, and we can agree on a great number of things, all these different things, and then find like one or two things that we just don't line up, and then... Sometimes, unfortunately, that leads to, well, maybe it's not worth it. <laughs> maybe it's not worth it. And, and here's the thing. Once we identify that other person as a rival, once we identify that person as, oh, they're in that other camp, 
It's like, either walk away. It's like mic drop, walk away from the, the conversation. Or it's, we're going to pull no punches. We're going to try to find the thing that's going to knock that other person down. And the reality is that we actually become a little bit like Eli in this story. Now, I kind of label Eli as the lazy priest. I don't know why the scripture takes time to mention he's sitting at the doorpost of the church in a chair. I, I've sat out on the bench out there sometimes, and I apologize if you walked in and it looks like I'm Eli sitting at the doorpost of the church being lazy. I don't know. But sometimes when we find that rival, we find that person that doesn't believe like us or doesn't agree with the position that we've taken or, or line up necessarily with where we stand, we can become Eli. What's Eli's problem? Eli makes this snap judgment against this woman who would come to worship and pour her heart out to God. And Eli is like, what's she been drinking? What's she been drinking? Who is this man, this quick-to-judge priest? Sometimes I recognize him in myself. sitting in the back, sitting in the chair. Eli says, who is this drunk woman who, who has come to this place and, and is murmuring and muttering? She came to this place to, so she wouldn't be noticed, wouldn't be spotted, wouldn't be detected. And he embarks on the ministry of correction. <laughs> Air quotes there, ministry of correction. Spoiler alert, this is not a ministry, this is not a spiritual gift. God doesn't, God doesn't handle this, hand this one out or, or, or delegate this uh, to us. The correction of Eli. What does he say? How long will you live this drunken lifestyle? Clean up. There's no conversation. There's no engagement there. There's no asking of questions. There's no exploration. Eli's going to fix this woman. Fix this problem. There's no care offered to Hannah. There's no presence offered by the priest to the one who is worshiping. Just this demand. Clean yourself up, lady. Get your life put together. Hannah is clearly the hero of this story. Hannah is clearly the hero in this story, and this is where, this is where she shows up. This is, this is her time. Like any good, strong, confident, proud woman, she, she defends herself, stands up to this priest, says, how dare you call me drunk and lazy? You should be ashamed of yourself. Storms off, writes a bad review on Yelp <laughs> and Facebook, starts a boycott Shiloh Temple hashtag in all of her tweets. No. And it was faithful. Uh, I, I walked in just before service because I've been teaching a, a membership class. Um, and there was a quote in the video that we showed that, that just stood out to me as, as Hannah's rule of life as we, as we uh, see it progressed in this chapter. Um, Eugene Peterson stole the quote from Frederick Nietzsche, who's not really a big fan of 
Christians um, and, and the life of faith, and yet it's a great quote. Uh, it's the title of one of Eugene's books. This is the quote. Uh, it's the long buildup. A long obedience in the same direction. Hannah had in her life a long obedience in the same direction. I think that describes Hannah, affected but undetoured, ridiculed from her sister wife, no compassion from her husband, months and months and months of this cycle of disappointment, who chose to still be engaged in worship and yet was misunderstood by a priest, judged, scorned, forgotten, with no future in the fact that she had no son. And Hannah is the one with the long obedience, faithful to engage with God, faithful to cry out and, and to share what she was going through. She doesn't vilify the priest. <laughs> she doesn't go after him. She doesn't bite his head off and go mama bear on him. But she explains her situation, her deep and heartfelt lament. I'm continuing to learn the art of engaged conversation. Uh, to sit down across from someone with whom I disagree, <laughs> adamantly disagree, and to talk and to converse, and to dialogue, and to learn. Not for the sake of agreement, not for the sake of getting talked into something by this person that I don't want to be talked into, but with the goal and with the mission to understand this person to the best degree that I can. To listen in that conversation, not to, to prove my next point or not to figure out how to rebut what they had just said, but listening to learn and to engage and to say, how can this experience, how can this conversation help me grow? I had a mentor in my life who frequently said this, it's more important to be rightly related than it is to be perfectly right. more important to be rightly related to the person that you're talking to than to be perfectly right. And those are profound words. Hannah models that for us so perfectly. It says that after she prayed and had this encounter with Eli and, and he had turned from this snap judgment, this, this condemnation of her life and her actions and her behavior, he offers her a blessing says, may it be, may it be in your life as you have prayed. Had this encounter with Eli. It says she was sad no longer. She came back the next day to worship. Hannah's the hero in this story. And she becomes for us this, this roadmap towards progress. That in a world in which it's become pretty easy to kind of cut and run, to kind of vilify our rivals, to when we're misunderstood, to have this big reaction and to say, I deserve better than this. Hannah engages and discusses and converses and doesn't allow that moment to interrupt her worship and to interrupt her pursuit of why she was there. She was there to worship God. 
to walk closer with God, to draw close in His presence. And my challenge this week as, I, as, I've, as I've dealt with this text is the reminder that it's beneficial to have that conversation that's going to drive you crazy. Admit that you could be wrong and listen. Admit that you can have that conversation and learn something from that conversation. And we listen to learn, not to formulate our next argument. I'm going to invite the, the praise team up here as we, as we finish off. This is hard. The, the work that we're called to, the work, the, the model that Hannah provides for us is not easy. It's really hard work, but this is Jesus' kingdom work that we are definitely called to. And the point is not simply to engage, but to engage with hope, to engage with the hope that as the body of Christ, we can learn from each other and we can grow. That every step we see Hannah standing like a pillar and exhibiting this simple core belief that having faith is worth it. Even when faith doesn't make sense. When you think about Hannah's life and and the journey that she had been through and and the people around her that were supposed to be loyal that had kind of turned on her and said these really awful things to her. Even when she journeys to the temple and the priest, who's most like the pastor in the story, gets it completely wrong. Forgive me if that's me. Forgive me. But even then, Hannah stays the course and has faith in a God that loves her and that will show up for her. What I think, I think, is that these rivalries and this, this bitterness reveals something. That when our, when our actions don't portray the faithfulness that Hannah's did, it says something, and it says something about me. When I get caught up in identifying rivals instead of listening, when I make snap judgments without thoughtful engagement, I reveal my doubt that God is faithful. That God has got this. And, and, and that's where Hannah is the faithful one in the story that despite what she went through, she believes God has got this. That God comes through um, and allows her son to be conceived. The one who's named Samuel that will come and serve under Eli the priest. <laughs> the one who is sitting at the doorpost. That's the faithfulness of Hannah that allows this to come to pass. May we live that way. Amen? Amen. May we live with that much hope. May we live with that much faith. Even in the face of everything that would distract us and everything that would deter us. May our lives reflect such faith. Can I pray for us? And then we'll sing to close. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this story in our text that that calls us to a new way of life, calls us to this engagement, calls us even even in the midst of people who are well-meaning but don't really help out, people who... uh, blatantly attack us 
May we learn to always live in the hope and faith that Hannah displayed. Help us live that way so that we can see the moment where God shows up, where God allows provision to be made for this faithful servant, for this faithful follower of you. Uh, And may we offer our lives in that moment back to you. We thank you for this story. Make us more uh, faithful to respond even in the moments where it's difficult, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, Good morning. Would you stand to receive the benediction? And as I offer it, I invite you to extend your hands just as a reminder that this is a, a benediction prayer that we receive as it is prayed. Lord, in our tendencies, may you make us ready for grace and faith-filled engagement, even when it's hard, even when we don't see and end in sight. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.